I see some, some new faces this morning, and so for the new, for the new people here, welcome. Glad to have you here, and, and, um, and some people that are, that are a little bit newer to the church, and, and, uh, and others that have, have been here from, from the very beginning, but we, we first met the beginning of July. Um, this upcoming July will be nine years that, that we met to, to talk about planting this church, and uh, and starting it, and we had a some people in in my my family room, and just shared our, our hearts of 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 the idea of of planting a church that would be called Reverence Bible Church, um, and in uh, in really not having any idea of of what it would look like as far as nine years from then um, or one year from then. We didn't know who would actually come on that first week. Um, and we started meeting immediately at, at Tribuca Hills High School. I coached there, so it was easy to use the facilities. And we have just watched the Lord work in miraculous ways here as a church. Um, people who are here that have been here from the very beginning, some I've known for decades, and, and others where you're new to the church, but we, we, we can't even imagine the church functioning without you here, and just watching the Lord bring different people in his perfect timing, and for the purpose of building up the church, and for his glory. You think about what you would hope for in a church, and um, maybe you've been at the church for for a few months or a year or two, and, and, and you look and you think, well, I wish they had this, or they should start this, or it would be so much better if they did this a little bit differently, or whatever it is. And I'm, I, I know that, that there's, there's so many areas in which we can grow as a church, so, so many areas in which we can, can do better, um, glorify God more, sharpen our gifts more. Even this week, you know, we, we, someone talking about like this is what we could do with children's ministry to bless the families even more, and others, others talking about these backpacks as far as we could give them to people. They're filled with all kinds of great stuff and Bibles and tracts, and give them to, to homeless people that are that are in need, and and being able to go and give them something tangible, but also that will point them towards Christ. Um, there's. It's upcoming, I think it's this upcoming weekend, ministry to go down to Laguna Beach and feed the homeless and, and share the gospel. All kinds of things that are taking place with retreats and studies and midweek has been just an incredible blessing and all kinds of things that take place in church. And you go to churches and there's just so many different programs and so many different things that take place. This year will be the first year of the summer where we'll do Vacation Bible School, and uh, and so I, I know they're going to be calling upon a lot of you to, to serve in that area and minister to the kids of the church, and what, what a great thing, Vacation Bible School. We've talked about it for years um, and, and always sent our kids to other churches because it was a lot easier, and after this year, we might do that again, but for this year, <laughs> we are going to do Vacation Bible School, and, and just to be able to see how that might be a blessing to the families of our church. And, and so there's a lot that, that takes place here on a, 
on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis. Um, we have seen the Lord do just incredible things, all in accordance with his provision and grace over the last nine years. But when we look at what would be the best thing for us as a church at this point, um, how can we, how can we pray? How should we pray for our church? What, what kind of things do we hope to see at, at Reverence Bible Church? When, when you go through Scripture, you, you, don't, you don't find a, a list of, well, add this program. This will change everything. Or if only you would do this ministry a little bit better. There's things that, that for us as a church that we will see and we'll continue to grow in. You'll, you'll see that you know, we've, we're blessed with this building that we were able to purchase a, a, a few years ago, four, about four years ago, I think. And, and uh, what, what a blessing this has been. Huh? Been in here for the last couple of years and we still have some work to do with building new restrooms and an elevator and a new kitchen and a library that will, will take place. Um, as the Lord provides. And so there's things that still need to occur. But at the heart of it, what ought we to be praying for primarily as a church? And as we think about that, um, we go to some of the prayers that are found in Scripture. And this morning I just want to focus on two of them that are found in the book of Ephesians. So if you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. We hear Paul here praying for the church. And I want to look at just specifically the, the specific things in which he prays for here in chapter 1 of Ephesians and in chapter 3. So let's look at those things here. Beginning in, in Ephesians 1, 15. If you don't have your Bibles, there's some Bibles under the pews you can grab. Therefore... I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at, the right hand, at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so you see here, Paul speaking to this particular church in Ephesus saying, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. I've heard that, that, of your faith, that your faith is in him. He's talking to a church. Your faith is, is not in your own works. Your faith is in what Christ has accomplished for you on the cross. 
your faith and your hope is that when Christ died on the cross, all of your sins were placed upon him and all of his righteousness was placed upon you and that Christ was our, our substitution. He is God himself who became flesh and died on the cross for our sins. And so Paul's saying, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. And I've heard of, of your love for all the saints. So we look and as a, as a church, we, we have faith in Christ. As a church, I, I pray that we would be known for our love for all the saints. I, I think it's an area that we can grow in a lot. But when I talk to people that come to the church frequently, they say, I just, I felt loved at the church. People talk to me. I, I felt, I definitely felt loved when I came through the doors of the church. Um, but I know that there's other people that have said, like, oh, I don't know, I didn't really fit in. Or, you know, not that many people talked with me. And and I think whether it's someone that's new coming or someone that's been here for a long time, we, we need to grow in our love for one another. I mean, genuinely loving one another. But he says here in reference to this church, I've heard of your, your love for all the saints. I don't cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And then he gives us the content of the prayer. To begin with, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. When he begins to pray for this particular church, he says, this is the first thing that I pray for. I pray that, that God would, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. When we pray for our church, we need to be praying for that for, for ourselves and for one another. Looking and saying, God, give us a spirit of, of wisdom, revelation, that comes in the knowledge of him. Knowing him. Knowing not only about him as we go through scripture, but but actually knowing him, knowing his heart, being someone who, who goes through and, and studies God's word in such a way and reads it in such a way in which we know him. I was reading in a commentary this week about a story of, of Harry Ironside, a pastor, who, who talked about how he had this, this meeting with a very godly man early in his ministry. The, the man was dying of tuberculosis. And Harry Ironside went to visit him. Um, the man's name was, was Andrew Frazier. And the, the guy could, could barely speak because the tuberculosis had had such an effect on him. And he, so he, he could just whisper. And this man said to, to Harry Ironside, young, young man, um, you're trying to preach Christ, are you not? And Ironside replied, yes, I, I am. Well, he said, sit down a little. Let's talk about the word of God. And he opened his Bible and, until his strength was gone. He, he opened one passage after another, teaching truths that Ironside at the time had never seen or appreciated. And before long, there was tears that were just running down Harry Ironside's face. 
And he said, where'd you get these things? Can you, can you tell me where I could find a book that will open them up to me? Did you get them in, in a seminary or college? Where did you learn all of these things that you're telling me about? And, and Fraser replied saying, my, my dear young man, I've learned these things on my knees on the mud floor of a little sod cottage in the north of Ireland. There with my open Bible before me, I used to kneel for hours at a time and ask the Spirit of God to reveal Christ to my soul and to open the word to my heart. And he taught me more on my knees on that mud floor than I ever could have learned in all of the seminaries or colleges in the world. I look at that and I just think, that's, that's knowing him. I, I have met people who, who know a lot about God. I mean, their heads are just full of knowledge about God. You, 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 can, you can see it when they, they begin to articulate different theologies and different interpretations of all kinds of different things. And they use big words and they not only know theology, but they know philosophy. And they are well learned in, in a number of, of different areas. And yet... It appears that they do not know him very well at all. Their lives are such that they look much different than someone who knows God well. To be able to know him is not only to know facts about him, but to know him, to know his heart. You can know all kinds of facts about Abraham Lincoln, but you don't know him like you do a friend or a family member. Or someone that you spent time with. You may hear someone say something bad about somebody. And you're like, no, no, they're not like that. How do you know they're not like that? Because I know them. I've seen them. I've seen them in all different kinds of circumstances. They are not like that. And, And that is how we ought to know the Lord. Not just knowing facts about him. But knowing him, having a relationship with him in such a way that we want a heart that is after his own heart. It's, it's one thing to, to know, like, we, we ought to, as a church, we ought to do missions. And it, it, it's another thing to pray for missionaries. It's another thing to send people out. It's, it's, it's another thing to, to be in, in such a place of what's going on? How can I pray? What can I do? Where can I go? Who wants to go? How can we help them get there? What can we do to, to, to make that happen? Because I have a heart for missions. I want to go and to reach people who have not yet heard the gospel or to build people up that are in a church that maybe don't know him as well. I, I want to see the gospel go forward and just this passion to, to preach the gospel even to the uttermost parts of the world. There's a difference between knowing something, oh yeah, I can tell you all about all kinds of different mission organizations, versus I just want the gospel to go forward. You hear that with the Apostle Paul as we're going through the book of Romans where he says, I'm not lying, my conscience bears witness that I, I would rather have myself be accursed for the sake of my brethren. I'd give up my salvation. I just, I want them so badly to come to know Christ. With my whole heart, I, just want, I want the gospel to go forward. It's, it's one thing to know about evangelism and, and, 
and, and maybe you've gone through, you know, the ways in which you can present Christ the best that you possibly can. But it's another thing to, to have the heart of God that looks upon people and sees people who are lost, sheep that are wandering, that don't know him, just going astray, and, and to be able to go and encourage them the gospel, proclaim the gospel, even plead with them for the sake of the gospel. It's, it's, it's one thing to, to know about discipleship and how discipleship should take place. It's another thing to look and say, like, I want to disciple somebody. I want to, who is in my life that I'm discipling, that I'm care, caring for, that I'm pointing towards Christ? And who's doing that for me? Because none of us are in a place where we're above that, where we don't need someone to encourage us in our faith and to hold us accountable and to be a blessing to us. And being in a place where it's just, I want to be able to minister. I want to be able to do this. It's one thing to know about the church and what a church should look like and what kind of things should be taking place in a church. And it's another thing to have the heart of God that says, I want to stir up the gifts that are within me so that I'm ministering. Not looking at it as like, well, what do they offer me? It's just this consumer mentality. But looking and saying, what can I do to be a blessing to the rest of the people that are around? There's a, a head knowledge that can be there, but it's different than having a heart knowledge. I talked with a pastor this week that was talking about how been at this church as a pastor for decades and went through a whole series of financial challenges that would make it so that they would cut salaries and be so careful on their spending in every area and not do conferences and not do all kinds of different things. But then came a time that they were looking to, to see how can we build a, an additional building and they had the lenders come in. The lenders wanted to see the top 10 people who gave at the church. Not their names, but how much so they can be able to look at and see where the giving was at. You know, what if one family left? Would that be devastating? So they looked to see that. And the pastor not, never looked to see who gave anything. Um, but then and just went and looked and knew what he gave for that year. And out of a church that was several times the size of our church in this area, he was number five in giving. Saw what he gave for that year, number five. And he knew that he wasn't even close to number five as far as within the church, church of, once again, several times as far as the size of our church. And just thought, how is it that they're not, giving. These same people that are so vocal, cut this, cut that, cut this. Yet, looking and seeing, by and large, there was a huge portion of the church that was giving less than $200 a year. And the issue isn't, isn't, do I know whether I should do these things? The issue is, do I treasure stuff more than Christ? Do I look at the things that God's given me as far as this is what he's entrusted with me? How can I use it most to his glory? Or is our mentality such that, well, I know this is right. People ought to do this. But in your heart, the fact is, is that you're consumed with stuff. And so you begin to look at these things and say, where's my heart? It's one thing to say, I know I should worship with all my heart and with all my soul and all that is within me. And it's another thing to come in here in times of worship and to 
not worship him like that. To have words just go in and out of your mind, or I don't like the tune of this song, or I don't like that, or I don't like that, or why is that guy doing that? or And totally distracted rather than worship him with all that you have within you. And taking every area of your life and saying, is it simply a head knowledge of him, or is it something where I've grown in, in both spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him such that I know him in such a way that I love him and I desire to please him and I desire to honor him and I desire to praise him with all that is within me and I desire to take my life and give it to him as a living sacrifice because I know who he is. I know that he is holy and he is perfect and I know that he controls all things, and I know that he speaks things into existence, and I know that he laid his life down for me, and he took the equivalent of hell that I deserve for all eternity upon himself, and he freely gave it to me, and it wasn't because I deserved it, or it wasn't because I earned it, but he did it all by his grace, and not only that, but he, he even did this before the foundations of the world, that he chose me, that he knew me, that he is such that, that he worked in me and his Holy Spirit drew me in. It wasn't by chance that I got saved, but it was by the kindness of his Holy Spirit doing that regenerating work in our hearts. And it was all by grace. And you begin to go through and you know him in such a way that it affects every area of your life. It's possible for us to have head knowledge of him, but in all actuality, we live like atheists. We act just like them. We pray in, in such a way that we pray like he's not all-powerful, he's not sovereign, he's not totally in control. We, we, we hold things in our lives where, where it's, it's a girl or it's a guy or it's a job or it's this material possession. And, and we know that, that it's something that doesn't please God at all, and yet we put it in a place that's higher than him as if he is not more to be treasured than all the things that are in this world. To be able to go and, and, and see the banquet table of God, God's glories and to know him and to say, I want to feast on him and I want to spend time with him and I want to honor him rather than feed my flesh and enjoy the junk that's here in this world. To know him is to just adore him and to love him like that. And so Paul's looking at this church and saying, that's what I pray for. I pray that, that he would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him in the knowledge of him, knowing him. And brothers and sisters, the way that you know him is in the pages of Scripture. It's not knowing him just saying, well, to me, God's like this because I experienced that or I experienced this. You know him by the authority of God's word. God help us to preach Scripture and to go through Scripture and to get to know him in Scripture so that we can go through and say, I know that this is what he's like because this is what he says about himself. But taking that knowledge and having it affect our lives. He says in verse 18 that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. It's not just, it's not just that you know these things, but that it would be enlightened. That it would be something that comes alive to us. In which ways? Well, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. You might know what is the hope of his calling. That that would have an impact on you. The hope of his calling. 
I know that there are people in this church that struggle with, with depression and struggle with um, areas in, in their life of, of, of hopelessness or, or being in, in a place of, of having their esteem being so low and just seems like everything's coming around them and seem like, like there's just weights that are upon you. And Paul's just saying, I, I pray that, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of his calling. We have people who are going through incredible trials here at this church. Some of you maybe have gone through them and you're doing well now. But I'd venture to say any number of us, if we were honest, we've gone through just incredible trials. And to be able to look and say, okay, but I have a Lord who called me. He loves me. And his love is unconditional. It doesn't ever end. It can't ever be taken away from me. I have an inheritance that's incorruptible and it's undefiled and it doesn't fade away. I'm a child of God. All of my sins have been removed and, and his righteousness has been placed upon my account and I get to spend eternity with him as a child of God, no longer his enemy. I've been made his people. He's made me a new creation. I can't lose that. My hope is in the fact that he called me and the one who called me is the same one who will glorify me and he'll do this. He assures me of that. And there's this hope that's in you that makes it so that the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Or like Horatio Spafford wrote in, in, in that, that song, It Is Well With My Soul. We, we had it playing in the car, the old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And, and Jonathan said, can we turn it to something I know? I don't like this song. Can we turn it to something I know? And I said, yeah, we can, but can I tell you about the song? Here's this, this guy, there's a guy, his name's Horatio Spafford. He lost his son, his son died. Then, then there was this huge fire in Chicago, the great fire in Chicago, and he, he lost so much of his business. His family was supposed to go to England to serve in missions over in, in England, and at the last minute he couldn't go, and so he put his whole family on a, a boat, his wife and his three daughters, and they went on the ship, they went across the Atlantic, and as they were going across, the ship hit another ship, and the ship went down. And the wife was the only one that survived. His three daughters died on that ship. And, and he, he wrote this song, and we started to go through it. You know, looking at, I, I would like to think that I could remember all of the words, but I think when Grace Lake River tints my soul, or sorrows like sea billows roll. Thanks, honey. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. There, there, there's times where when peace like a river attendeth my way, or sorrows like sea billows roll. Times where things are good, Jonathan, and there's times where 
there's these sea billows, like these waves, and they're just these trials and sorrows, and they're just gigantic, and they keep coming upon you. Like when he lost his three daughters, and it was there in the Atlantic that he wrote this song, It is well, it is well with my soul. And, and, and him saying, my sin, oh my sin, this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. And that, that thought, that I just went through, Jonathan, look at that, my sin. I mean, think of it, if everything's taken away from you, little buddy, everything's gone, my sin, oh my sin. This glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole of it, all of it. It was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord of my soul. You can have everything taken away, but this glorious thought that your sin has been removed, that alone is to cause you to praise him. And, and so after that, we listen to the song, and now he says, can we listen to that song about that man who lost his kids? He asks all the time, I want to listen to that one song about the man who lost his kids, who said, it is well with my soul. And I love that. But to be in a place where you look and, and, and you know the hope of your calling, to know what it is that we have been blessed with, it causes us to say, it's still, it, it is well with my soul, my sin. Not in part, but the whole. It was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord on my soul. That you would know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What are the riches of his glory Riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. To, to be able to think of, he's, 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 he's bringing out like, what is, what is the best, the hope of your calling, the glory of your inheritance, the, 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 this inheritance that we have in Christ. To be able to see him face to face, to be able to, to approach his throne boldly. To be able to spend eternity in the joy of the Lord. To know that you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Listen, I, I pray that the, under, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened to see that. Because it just changes everything for us. And that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. See what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe that you might be able to see the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. When he's talking about this is what I pray for this church, I want you to be able to see the exceeding greatness of his power towards you who believe. The power of Almighty God who can work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He can change your heart. He can make it so that the things that you once saw to be so desirable are no longer desirable. Rather, you count some things as rubbish in comparison to the excellency that comes in the knowledge of Christ. It changes things for you to where you look at your life and you begin to see these things and you say, his power is so great that he could free me from that sin and he could free me from this bondage and he could change my heart and he can make me glorify him. There's nothing that's too hard 
hard. He can get me out of the state of just being in despair. He can make it so that I can forgive. He can make it so that, that I can see things radically different. He could give me a heart that's after his own heart because it's not based upon me. It's based upon him. And Paul's just saying, I pray that your eyes would be enlightened to see the exceeding greatness of his power towards you. Towards you. To have such a view of God, that Reverence Bible Church would have such a view of God that we see him as there's nothing that's too hard for him. That he works in us, that he gives us the Holy Spirit that gives us and ministers to us and changes us. And there's this fruit of the Spirit that comes from him. And we may not have any strength of our own, but he can work through us. He can make it so that we can proclaim the gospel. He can make it so that we can be a loving husband or a loving wife. Or he can make it so that we can minister to people that are unlovable or difficult. He can change us and he could do that. And to have such a view of God that we see him as far bigger than we do right now. It's possible for us to... To think, to think of him as so small, even in the midst of prayer, God, please change this person's heart. I know you're not going to because it's as hard as, hard as a rock, but like, please change their heart. God, help me to get rid of the sin in my life. I'm not going to do it. I'm sure you're not going to do it because it's been so long that I've dealt with this. And it's just, this is my cross that I'm going to bear for the rest of my life. And it's never going to change. But if you want to work miraculously, do it. But I know you're not going to do it. I mean, Jonathan Edwards in his resolution says, never counted even a prayer that I don't think that he has the ability to answer. And so to have such a view of God that we look at him and say, God, please do this. I know that you have this exceeding power, this greatness that you have towards me who believe in you, who have faith in you. You can work mightily on my behalf. You can do these things. There's nothing that's too hard for you. So going from having a small view of God to just a gigantic view of God that we look at a little church like ours and say, God can just do incredible things. He can use us to go and proclaim the gospel in incredible ways. Well, Again, Pastor Jim Milligan gave me some stats for for our church, just looking at the messages that have been downloaded or streamed from our church. 2013, over 66,000 sermons were downloaded from the internet. I don't know these people. I mean, some of you maybe miss it and want to listen. But I think (laughs) you're not in China because there's thousands and thousands of them in China or Israel or India, places, Saudi Arabia, all over the place. And I'm like, I I've never been to Saudi Arabia. And there's people that are going there clicking on, I mean, how they find us, I don't know, but they're clicking on our website and they're downloading sermons. And I just look at it and God works mightily on our behalf. We, there's no strategy. Like, how do we get the word into China on the internet? We, I don't even speak Chinese. I, I can't, I have no ability to do that, nor does anybody else here in our congregation. God does it. I mean, you think that 66,000, I mean, that's like, if we, if we have, if we have a, couple hundred people that are here on a, on a weekly basis. I mean, you're talking about many, 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 many times more people that are here in the weekly sermons than who are here each week. And to me, that's just radical. I had no idea until last year when he said, well, just, you know, this many hundreds of thousands of people have downloaded sermons since the church started. I'm like, what? I thought, like, my mom did when she missed a sermon, you know? Like, I had no idea. no. My mom doesn't know how to download sermons. It's not her for sure. No offense, mom, but it's true. And you look at and God just, he works. So the, 
we might be able to see the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to his mighty power, and then he begins to give us reasons to see his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. The same power that caused Christ to rise again from the dead after he took sin and death upon himself. After three days, he rose again from the dead in newness of life. Likewise, we died with him, we're buried with him, and we also will rise again from the dead in newness of life. And he's just saying, look at the power in which Christ did this. Same power that God used in rising Christ from the dead. This is the same power that he has the ability to work in our lives. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and he gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And this is the one in whom we pray to. Let's turn briefly to Ephesians 3, verse 14. Here Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with all might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. And that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so when we look at this, we say, how ought we to pray for our church? We ought to be praying in accordance with Ephesians 3 as well. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That you might be strengthened, that I might be strengthened, that we as a congregation might be strengthened in might through his spirit in the inner man. In the inner man, when you feel like giving up, when you feel like you can't do it anymore, when you feel like there's just nothing, that God would just strengthen you in the inner man. When you're, as Pastor Bill just turned 93 this week, 93 years old, and how frequently does he preach if I'm God? And he comes up here and just preaches, and the church grows, and then I come back and it goes back to normal. And you look and you just, you think, I mean, it's just incredible to see the work that takes place. He, he, he can barely get up here. He said, one of the last times where I was here, he said, if I knew how old, how long I would live, I would have taken way better care of my niece when I was younger. And you look at him, his outer man is just perishing. He can't see anymore. So he can't read because he can't see the letters. So what does he do? He comes up here and just preaches and quotes Verse after verse after verse after verse after verse, all from memory because he can't see it. So he just memorizes it and then comes up here and just pours it out to you and preaches. And you look and you say, how does that happen? Well, because the Holy Spirit has been so kind to strengthen him in his inner man. It's God that does that, that power that works in us. And you may feel like, I don't have the strength to do that. And I can't talk to people like that. And I can't 
do this. I can't do that. And to be able to look and say, like, no, you can't. I, I had my little three-year-old this morning. I was going out to church, like, Daddy, I'm going to talk to people. I'm only going to talk to little people because I don't like big people. So I'm not going to talk to the big people. I'm just going to talk to the little people because I like the little people. We're like, no, Natalie, you're supposed to love all people, even if they're big. Well, but I like to say, I like the little people. So don't be offended if she doesn't talk to you. But we're praying that she's strengthened in her inner being to want to talk to big people as well as to little people. And for you here looking and saying, okay, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. But to be able to say, no, but he can strengthen you in such a way that you can for the purpose of his glory. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Our prayer for one another is that we would know that. We know him. The fullness of God would be in us. But that we would be able to be in such a place of, oh, I, just, I want to know the width and the length and the depth and the height of the love of Christ. We, we have high school students here, junior high students that are here, um, upper elementary, senior citizens, young families. All kinds of different people here. The, but, but the bottom line is, for that young person to want to stay pure, for that young person to stay away from drugs, for that young person to stay away from alcohol, for that young person to want to be obedient to their parents, for that young person to, to want to honor them, for their, that young person to want to be a light on their campus, it's, it's not a matter of do we have a good enough program here to make it so your kid wants to do that. Because we don't. The way that that happens is that we say, behold your God, this is who he is. This is what he has done. This is how he has loved you. This is how, what he has accomplished for you. This is what he has in future for you. This is what he does as far as he holds you in his hand and the Father is greater than all holds you in his hand. There's no one that can ever snatch you away and he is working in you. He's given the Holy Spirit and he's gifted and here's all that God has done for you and this is who he is and this is his power and this is his might and he said all places at all times and he knows all things and he knows when you sit down and he knows when you rise up he knows when your thoughts when they're still afar off and he's all powerful in every single way sovereign over this entire universe he loves you with a perfect love here is how we can show you the love in which he has for you to where that person goes okay i want to live for him because i love him i love him i see how he loves me and because he first loved me i love him and I want to please him, and I want to honor him, and I'm going to obey my parents even when I don't want to, and I'm going to stay away from that stuff, and I'm going to do these things because I just want to honor God above all things. And when it comes to husbands loving your wives, why do we do that? Why are wives to love their husbands? Why are these things to happen? It shouldn't be because, well, they're just so peachy all the time that I, how could you not love them? But because God calls you to, and because he loves you. And he says, love your wife the way that I've loved the church. And so men, study how he loves you. May God help us to know the width and the length and the depth and the height of the love of Christ towards us. That it just radically transforms our marriages. Just radically transforms our marriages. Where we want to love them like that. And we look at how we speak and we think, God doesn't ever do that to me. We look at how we think and we say, he doesn't ever think that way towards me. And we look and say, God, help me. To wash her with the water of the word. Help me to be in such a place that I esteem her high. Help me to be in such a place that I'd lift her up and just 
I praise her and the kids praise her and we minister to her. Help us to be like that. Help us to know the love of Christ and have it radically transform our marriages. God, help us to be in a place where in business we do it to the glory of God because we love Him above all things. And we see His love for us and we see His provision for us. And we see that He loves us so much that we don't have to think like, okay, well, if I just cheat on this, this, and this, I'll just first John one night in and just ask for forgiveness. Just, but, but looking and saying like, no, like He loves me. I can trust Him in these areas. I'll honor Him in these areas and know that birds of the air, He always provides for them. How much more does he love me? That it just radically transforms our view of missions, our view of giving, our view of prayer, everything. That there's this knowledge of the love of Christ and it makes us just delight in him more than all the other things in this world. That you be, may be filled with the fullness of God. God radically changing us, working through us, working in us, causing us to be a light here in Orange County and even to the uttermost parts of the world. It's not us trying to be a light. It's us having the fullness of God in us to shine brightly for the sake of him. It's him doing it. And so when Paul prays for the church, these are the kind of things that he prays for. And for us to be a healthy church at reverence, it's not based on our budget and it's not based on our building and it's not based on our numbers. It's not based on any of those things. It's based on, do we know him? Do we love him? Do we know his love for us? Are we in such a place that the fullness of God is in us? Are we seeing him working radically through us? Are we dependent upon him to call out to him and say, God, help us because apart from you, we could do nothing? Do we have a gigantic view of God that causes us to say, it is well with my soul, even in the midst of incredible trials? This is what God is calling us. This is how we should be praying for us because we are not like this always, are we? If you say, yes, you're a liar. No, you, you, we are not. We're not like this always. We need to pray for this. We're dependent upon him in these things. And we need to grow in these areas that we would be a healthy church, that we would be ministering one another, that we would be accomplishing just great things for the Lord as he does it through us. And as a result, he will get all of the glory. Amen? We love Christ, don't we? And may we put him on display through the preaching of the word, as we study through scripture, in such a way that when people come through the doors of this church, all of you included, may he be exalted. May he be glorified. May the gospel go forward. May we, you do that when you go to Starbucks or when you're with your neighbor or when you're at work or when you're on the soccer pitch. May God just work radically in our lives to cause us to shine brightly in the gospel to go forward and it is just welling up within us because of Christ in us. Hope of glory. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for these prayers that were recorded in, in Ephesians. Um, please, Lord, please do this in our church. Please accomplish this in our church. At Reverence Bible Church, Lord, we pray that that we would just grow in our knowledge of you, our wisdom and knowledge of you, that the revelation of you would be such in our hearts that our eyes, the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened and we would just be radically transformed, that we would see your love for us and we'd see you in us, we'd see your mighty power that you have for us and it would just change us just in, in incredible ways because it's you doing the work in us. May we worship and pray 
and study and give and serve and do these things with just incredible joy because of you in us. May we not do these things trying to earn your favor because we cannot. May we be a healthy church, Christians that are single-minded and passionately serving you because we adore you. Please do that in our hearts, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.